Welcome back to another edition of YCT Matters. This is Carol Platt-Lebow, president of Yankee Institute. And today we are joined by Jeffrey Sonnenfeld, Senior Associate Dean for Leadership Studies and Lester Crown Professor of Leadership Practice at Yale School of Management, and Stephen Tian, Director of Research and Chief Executive of the Leadership Institute. And gentlemen, we are delighted to have you with us today. Well, thanks so much, Kyle. We appreciate the invitation. We're thrilled to be with you and appreciate the work that you folks do. Well, thank you so much. Um, well, you know, I was so interested to talk with both of you after uh, having seen a, a, a piece that you had authored in the Hartford Current, but even before that, uh, a, a piece um, in the Connecticut Post. And you all have done some scholarly research on Connecticut's investment performance and how that's lagged and what some of the implications have been, not only for uh, Connecticut's workers, state workers, but for all of us here in Connecticut more generally. And and so could you talk with us a little bit about that and about the pension investments? I'd be delighted to. Uh, the way we got into it, we we run a, an institute for, for top leadership, chief executive leadership institute within the Yale School of Management. I started this institute around 35 years ago. Uh, before the World Economic Forum and Forbes, Fortune, Business Week, and all these others crowded into the space. In fact, we helped them all get into the space. Uh, but we try to work not just at uh, at nationwide and, and international intergalactic issues, but also to look responsibly as citizens in Connecticut, what we can do to help here. I, uh, I, I chair Connecticut's Economic uh, Development Authority, co-chair it with uh, uh, the former uh, uh, CEO of Synchrony Financial, and have been active on various other uh, boards and things in the state, Connecticut Innovations, the venture capital uh, arm of the uh, authority of the government and things too. And in fact, it was because of that that we had an event last September. We wanted to take a look at how things were coming along in the state because five years ago, well, it's now six years ago, when GE pulled out, things were looking pretty dismal. And uh, what we heard from the GE leaders at this large leadership forum six years ago, we had every sector there. We're told it was the most uh, broad representation of Connecticut's leaders in the 300-year history of the state, including its pre-colonial, its, you know, its pre-revolutionary days, its colonial era, and both including both state conventions. There was nothing positive coming out last time. We had, uh, as Governor Malloy was in on the session, he looked at the group and he said, I see uh, five people who want my job. And and then the uh, theme of clarity said six. And then the person who was now her husband, Greg <laughs> Butler, said seven. And we looked over at Jim Smith. They, yeah, we got up to eight or nine people wanted his job. And I think some of them have been very competent in the job, too. Uh, and uh, then Governor Lamont was there. Uh, but it was a, a Ted Kennedy. It was a, quite a quite a cross section of uh, healthcare companies, of manufacturers, of pharma, pharmaceutical, of biotech, uh, but also fintech and uh uh, uh, large, uh, of course, aerospace companies, uh, and what we uh, what we heard them all talk about, especially from the GE people, it wasn't just the transportation problems. It wasn't just the the overhang of uh, unfunded pension liabilities or the right. bet, the deficits we were running. It was the lack of political will to deal with these problems. And what was remarkable last year was what a revolution it was. The spirit was so positive, progress in so many fronts, except. When we got to take a look at the state's treasury, uh, rather than go on about the venture capital pool and the training and the whatever else is happening that's positive, 
is we started to look at the data around last September, October, that this is not looking so good. So then Stephen here pulled together a group of uh, 50 brilliant strategic uh, financial experts on campus here that volunteered 62 hours, 62 days, about 1,500 hours working uh, to take a look at the 50 state yardstick. It's amazing, Carol. We probably should sell this. Maybe the Yankee SFL does it. You guys should. Is nobody's done a yardstick of how all, all 50 states are doing before. So just between yeah. us, we're thinking of actually creating a Wall Street Journal piece out of this because it's not even a red state, blue state issue as to who's doing well, who's doing poorly. And it surely has nothing to do with how much we're paying people. In fact, just between us, the higher paid chief investment officers are usually delivering worse performance. Uh, so and uh, but Connecticut, with all this endowment management expertise and asset management expertise, we have the right. second worst performance of all 50 states. Uh, and that is a real problem because, you know, this governor alone has had to transfer about eight billion dollars of taxpayer revenue in to make us whole and paying down pension uh, uh, obligations because we're not making enough money on our pension fund with this kind of expertise that made no sense so that's that's the lead up until you're probably sorry you asked how that's how we know this all and- I, I'm, I'm not it's it's important and as you point out um, you know, it, it has implications for all of us and it has implications for the way our tax money is spent. And it has implications, you know, for um, uh, for a lot of different, you know, since money is fungible, every dollar that goes into making our pensions whole is money that can't be either returned to the taxpayers or deployed in some other fashion. So this is this is a topic of top importance to every single listener and every single person in the state. Um, you yeah, you're, ex- you're exactly right. And uh, we were kind of frustrated because we came out with this report in May. And it and, and, and as you mentioned, it got a lot of statewide media attention uh, across platforms from from, uh, you know, television to print media and things and on online websites. And yet the legislature still didn't act on it. We're happy that uh, probably it's no secret. I think we can name a, is a representative uh, Ryan Fazio uh, and the uh, uh, I, I guess I don't call it his boss, but the uh, the Republican uh, uh, senior leadership in the Senate had some very good ideas on how to make some progress on this. Uh, but even they decided, well, let's throttle back and just close out the budget uh, working with the governor. It's a wonderful. We got the budget done on schedule and it's a very positive review. But but, you know, you, you saw them fight for almost two weeks over, you know, funding some warehouse and this or that. We're talking about, you know, tens of billions of dollars. You could put warehouses in everybody's backyard uh, right. for the kind of what we're talking about here. We could slice uh, almost slice uh, uh, income tax in half. Uh, some of the companies that leave because they complain about the tax uh, burden on individuals, that that could disappear. We'd be a very competitive state uh, if uh, we had been managing this investment pool better. So, yeah, I, you, you've, uh, I don't mean to elaborate on the great point you just made there, but you're exactly right. This really matters to a lot of hardworking people. I don't see if you want to add anything, but I would just add that ever since we published this report, we've been flooded with unsolicited emails and phone calls from teachers and firefighters and public employees. And uh, these are the individuals whose savings are actually in this $40 billion Connecticut pension fund. This isn't money that belongs uh, to the state government. It's managed by state employees on behalf of Connecticut teachers, firefighters, public employees, and taxpayers. And it's been incredibly uh, 
it's been an incredible experience for us to hear from so many people from all corners of the state, all of whom uh, had no idea the problems underlying their own retirement savings and how it's being managed by by the state. And we will say that we are looking back a quarter of a century of poor performance under particularly two treasurers, especially one treasurer, but also uh, uh, Denise Napier, but also her successor, Sean Wooden, uh, just to name names. Uh, the, the the treasurer who's in there now is a new treasurer, and he seems to have an open mind. We're encouraged about changes that Eric Russell as treasurer may be making, but we're 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 impatient sort. So we can we can talk about where things are, uh, what, however you'd like to take it at this yeah, point, Carol. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely, and and we are going to do that absolutely. But just so our listeners have an idea. Um, you know, uh, you you mentioned in your piece that with forty billion dollars in assets, uh, the fact is that if if the state's investments were not really the states, these retiree, these pension had had the investments had yielded just the median returns of all fifty states um, over the past five years, we would have had five billion dollars more and would be in a position to cut taxes by 50% instead of by half a percent. Boy, you get a lot of extra credit. You 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 say you're not a scholar in this field and you studied our report so well, you make us nervous. You don't have to take the final exam. You've nailed it just right now, Carol. So that's well, exactly right, isn't it, Stephen? I think that, uh, I mean, we don't want to say that it's a bad thing that taxes were cut this year, but ta- which is nice, but taxes, we could cut them a lot more. Uh, if this money had been properly invested instead of transferring taxpayer money uh, here or, you know, either keep it with the taxpayers or put it somewhere else, they'd be productive. But this this was um, this is ridiculous. And sometimes we have uh, decades of experience with poor performing asset managers. Uh, some of the largest asset managers in the state have a, a, a track record of decades of bad performance and have somehow been retained, but also being paid exorbitant fees for poorly managing our our money. Yes, and and you know that isn't that isn't right. It's one thing if you hire an asset manager to, to to manage your money, they underperform. Well, you know that's your business. But but as you've pointed out, um, and as Yankee Institute has tried to point out, when we have made suggestions for pension reform, um, you know if if these reforms don't get made and the whole system runs into trouble. You know, the people who do stand to lose and to be hurt are our teachers, our firefighters, our policemen. And um, and that's why it's important that the system is sustainable. And it's only fair to our taxpayers that these sorts of uh, of wrongs are rectified. Um, So as you have written this report, um, you you have also talked about some of the um, some of the the reforms that you recommend um, and some of the some of, you know, because you did. Can you talk a little bit more in general about the uh, the report that you did? Because I think a lot of people who listen to this podcast would be interested in it. You did a comparative 50 state analysis, correct? 50 state analysis. The only state which has come in worse than Connecticut uh, was uh, North Carolina. Uh, which is just amazing that we would be at the bottom of the pack. It really uh, is. And and it's equally amazing as some of the states like, I don't know, um, Michigan or, or, or Wisconsin, uh, 
Maine, Massachusetts, Delaware that were outperforming us. I mean, of all states, really. It, um, it was not a north, south, east, west, or red state, blue state issue. It's a question of competence and accountability. That's what the uh, problem was here. And uh, it uh, some of the recommendations we came out with is um, just in the reporting, instead of putting out a late, a 600-page uh, dense report, we don't even know what the terms are, having some simple dashboards for comparative performance in key areas, some metrics that that any taxpayer could look at to see how we're performing against certain assets and how we're doing in real estate, how we're doing in venture capital, how you know, and, and who are the best and worst performers and things in these guys. But anybody should be able to read that. It's our money. We should be able to read it. Uh, and this shouldn't be kept a secret as a clubby-like thing. And uh, a second area we thought is, frankly... And, oh, we, and Professor, if I could just pop in here. Um, you know, that is one of the foundational points that that Yankee Institute tries to make again and again. Um, competent government should have nothing to hide. And sometimes there is, in in our view, uh, obfuscation when there doesn't need to be. And it is our money. We have a right to know how it's being spent. And these changes are things that need to be made so that the people can understand how this is being invested, what's being done, and so that reasonable reforms can be made so that the people whose futures are at stake can understand whether or not they are being well served. Anyway, please continue. Uh, I, I just love everything you said. You're so lucky that we're uh, remote on Zoom or I'd be hugging you right now. It's exactly right. A, a uh, the, the importance of transparency uh, is first and foremost. Secondly, uh, it, in terms of accountability, uh, and, and this is where I, I think um, uh that the uh, some of the legislators have a plan in mind that unfortunately our legislature won't be meeting again i guess till till the you know beginning of the next year here is uh to have a, some kind of accountability with a check and balances you know every corporation the executives do have a board of directors and cities have have have, have uh, city councils and uh, there, there are ways where, or, you know, or boards of aldermen, whatever it is, there's some ways where it isn't just power ex fully vested in a singular uh, CEO, a single executive. And in this case, the treasurer, who we have nothing against, actually, we think Eric Russell is a very nice guy and very open minded, smart person. But still to have all that vested in with one person, there is an, there is a um, an investment advisory council, but it is exactly that. It's strictly advisory. It doesn't have any official oversight role. And guess what? There are only two states that truly have such a model. And guess who those two states are? It's again, it's it is Connecticut and even worse performing North Carolina. North Carolina. Yep. Yeah. Now New York does have uh, something somewhat similar to ours, but they have a series of other boards that oversee one another. So there's marginally more accountability and their performance is not top of the charts either, by the way, but still, so that's a, a second recommendation is that there be some sort of advisory council with, with teeth in it. So uh, there are some, there are some assets that we think we should have sold out of in January or February or March, April, May, June, July. Here we are in in September still in assets that we identified as as a poor managers and poor areas that we're in. And uh, we haven't yet seen those addressed just yet. So I think uh, if there was an advisory, not advisory, if there was a, a board, an oversight board that had some more teeth. And I know, Steve, is a third point that you'd like to raise as one of our recommendations. 
Sure. The third point, and it gets a little bit technical, is just some of the asset allocation decisions we made, uh, which plainly put just means what we invested in and what this money went towards. Uh, and it was both in terms of the specific assets as well as the managers, as Jeff alluded to. Uh, and, and even more concerning, there is no institutional memory for why some poor decisions were made. I'll bring up an example of just one of many decisions that we combed through uh, that, you know, frankly, uh, the treasurer is now correcting and good for him for doing so. Uh, for the last decade, we haven't had very much in the way of U.S. stocks. Why is that? Uh, because we bought a lot of emerging market stocks, which is really China stocks, because uh, China is most of emerging markets. Um, now, if you just look at the stock charts of these two countries over the last decade, you'll see the U.S. has done a lot better than China has, but we've missed out on that, uh, which is hugely unfortunate. When we asked, why was this the case for the last decade? Why was this decision made? Nobody knew the answer. Nobody remembered why this decision was made, but it just became institutional inertia and just kept going year after year after year. That's now been corrected. And in fact, uh, you know, the results are already bearing fruit there. But that's just one example of many of some of the poor asset allocation manager decisions, uh, which unfortunately proliferated across Connecticut's portfolio. Uh, it's amazing. And one of the things that I also thought was absolutely heartbreaking um, was to read that um, that a lot of the people who have their pensions, you know, who are dependent on the performance of these funds could have done better if they had just invested their savings themselves. Yes, especially I mean, if you put it horrible. in a simple index fund, they would have done better. Uh, in index fund dramatically outperformed uh, most of the states and certainly uh, towered over Connecticut's performance. You know, I mean, that's just... That is amazing that a generic 60-40 portfolio, in other words, 60% stocks and 40% bonds outperform Connecticut by 1% annually. I hope this is not a secret, in which case I'm going to be in big trouble. Uh, but th this is what the governor prefers, 60-40 or even 80-20. He'd like to put it into index funds, which I'm not sure that's a very popular recommendation around the treasurer's office, but uh, I think I think the governor on on this one is very right. Uh, this this uh, uh, there's no reason why we couldn't be using index funds. And another thing, Carol, you don't have the same management fees, or at least you shouldn't. Right, they're very low cost. They should be. It yeah. turns out in Connecticut's case, we've actually hired middle managers just to place money in other people's funds. So we have management fees on top of management fees. We have needless layers, uh, funds that are very accessible to public pension investment directly. We have paying middle middlemen uh, outrageous fees. In fact, some of these middlemen, uh, Connecticut is the lion's share of all of their revenues, uh, which is which is crazy. They're dependent on us delivering poor performance consistently. Uh, and charging us a lot of money for that. Well, it sounds like they're living very well, courtesy of the Connecticut taxpayer. That's true. I and mean, they embed themselves in civic organizations and corporate boards around the state so that there is uh, they, they, they have a lot of friends uh, across parties and across sectors, which has to be unraveled. It is uh, it, it is a uh, I think a strategic dependence or strategic relationships that get established this way. And sometimes they're very philanthropically generous with other people's money. Then you talk uh, a little bit about talent recruitment and just trying to broaden the the talent base. 
Yeah, I think we could have a, a, a little bit, you know, better mix if we're going in in the treasurer's office. But uh, again, it's not overtly a compensation issue having to do with accountability and measurement. You see that there are people who who are very competent that rotate through uh, senior jobs in um, uh, in in government for the opportunity for the exposure and things. You can get some great people. Some people will make a career out of it that are dedicated. But uh, often they they go into these positions uh, not for affluence, but for you know positive uh, social impact. And you you see people that uh, that can be dedicated public servants. So, uh, but we just need some better accountability for performance uh, in this area. Yes, I would think it would be sort of analogous to uh, to what you see in like U.S. attorneys' offices. You know, you get people who rotate through for the experience and what they learn as, for example, assistant U.S. attorneys, and they go on into private practice. But then you also get some very skilled attorneys who who stay and make a career working for the federal government. That's a perfect analogy. If you don't write that up yourself, we warn you, we're going to steal that from you. We might reference you, but that's the perfect <laughs> analogy. Well, you may have it with my compliments. Okay. Um, what is the best way for us to move forward addressing this? You said that, for example, Ryan Fazio, Senator Kelly, some of the people, ha- you know, some of the, the legislators. Are you are you thinking that some of this could be done through regulation? Is it legislation? What sorts of reforms in a perfect world, gentlemen, would you be seeking? Well, uh, you know, there is there's, a, there's a, too much focus, I think, on prospective conflicts of interest. And I guess that's been addressed already in some legislate some legislative action. But I, I haven't seen that that the uh, that, that we have a need to encourage the revolving door more for people to hop from the state uh, into uh, become um, providers uh, and consultants and, and asset managers for the state, having been state employees, uh, is that this state is so full of people, as I mentioned, I'm on the board of, of Connecticut Innovations. That's filled with asset managers, Connecticut's uh, some of their best venture capitalists and uh, and private equity experts are on that board. But we have to uh, uh, constantly register if there are any conflicts of interest. If you have any involvement with any of the companies under question, uh, and you have to disclose all your assets and and people are still and it's an unpaid position and people are still eager and happy to do it. We have every full attendance at our board meetings and most everybody shows up in per, in person. Uh, so I think you can find people uh, willing to serve that it isn't that we have to put this um, an unnecessary diversion over uh, people concerned that there are role conflicts. That's, I think, very easily managed elsewhere. Uh, but instead, uh, I think we need to focus on, on on just attracting competent people and breaking some of the longstand cronyism relationships that have led to the retention of uh, underperforming managers for, for way too long. I would just jump in and say that, you know, there's no magic wand here of an easy, simple fix. It's multi-front. And you mentioned legislative. Senator Fazio has some very interesting legislation on oversight and transparency and, you know, strengthening the advisory board. Uh, that would be, you know, a very helpful step in the right direction. As Jeff mentioned, some of the structural and, you know, uh, cultural dynamics there. Um, there's It's a multi-front fix. There's no magic wand that can be waved overnight. And you're right. Senator Kelly, I think, very much understands that and can advance it quite well. Uh, I, I I don't know on the other side of the aisle who the best advocates uh, for it might be right now. Uh, 
I think there there was one, but he's running for mayor of Hartford right now. So, uh, but I think he had a pretty good lock on it. But uh, we'll see uh, that it, that for this to successfully advance, we need to have enthusiasm on both sides of the aisle, given the the current composition of our uh, general assembly. So. Uh, I think that this is not ideologically charged. It's just good sense as a win-win for everybody. Absolutely. And I think there are good people on both sides who would like to see some of these problems addressed because all of us share a stake in making sure that, um, you know, our uh, the people in public service are well taken care of after retirement and making sure that, that um, taxpayers either are able to get their money back or that we're not tying up our disposable tax income in paying down pension debt instead of being able to use it where it's needed. Exactly right. I mean, I think we fairly pr- pretty well covered the waterfront, but we would look forward to uh, hearing from you further when when you have other things you need to share. Yes, that's great. And uh, we should also mention that anybody can go to our website to take a look at this 117-page report uh, for extra credit. It wouldn't be on uh, as a required reading for anybody. However, if they're curious to see the background, we we name the funds, the the top performers and the uh, the poor performers, and some have been called out in internal state reviews saying they should be dropped and somehow they've been retained. And we've put all that in there. So uh, that's uh, we didn't sweep anything under the carpet. And that's uh, I'm I'm glad that uh, uh, we have support uh, for that kind of transparency we want to model it ourselves. And again, to remind everybody, we have zero commercial or ideological or political ambitions here that this was all done as, as volunteer work. And we're grateful for that. And we will link to the report in the show notes. So anyone who wants to find it can look in the show notes. We will link to it. And we are grateful because uh, I know, well, you, uh, you come with no ideological or partisan baggage here at all. Um, and we are grateful for that. So uh, thanks again. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, we are very grateful. And uh, once again, Professor Jeffrey A. Sonnenfeld, Senior Associate Dean for Leadership Studies and Lester Crown Professor of Leadership Practice at Yale School of Management. And Stephen Tian, the Director of Research and Chief Executive of the Leadership Institute. And uh, not too bad for a couple of Yaleys. Thank you very much. So, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time today. And this is Carol Platt Lebow. Thank you for joining us on this edition of YCT Matters. I'll show you around this place I call home.